Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh. Here we talk about health, home, family, and food, empowering you with the knowledge and skills to live a truly vital life. Welcome to the Vital Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sherry Rayleigh. This week we're talking about food, and I want to dive deep into what it really means when I say eat from the earth. So it has been well known, it's been really popular to eat clean for a really long time. Um, That eating clean transformation came around probably five to ten years ago, and people started cleaning up their diets. But it was more of a, I'm going to eat clean as sort of like a detox or maybe an alternative to something like the Whole30, and it's not something that most people are doing on a regular basis to be sustainable, to keep and to keep doing where they actually build that into their lifestyle. And so this is something that I want to talk about because we need to start working on building this into our lifestyle. It is unbelievable when you actually step into the world of looking at what is in our food, how our food is grown and where it comes from and what they put on it and how they package it. We have a major problem in our country and across the world with our food supply. We are at a really dangerous place. And I think we all woke up to that in 2020 when all of a sudden we couldn't buy food. And a lot of hoarding mentality went on and people, you know, especially with the toilet paper, right? Everybody started hoarding toilet paper and there's plenty of people who are still utilizing, you know, four years later, their their toilet paper supply. So, you know, human mentality, we, we do run into that. But I think it was a big eye-opener for a lot of people that, wow, we, you know, we're not prepared. What if something happens? What if, what if the grid goes down? They're talking about that now as a big conspiracy, or maybe not, it's not a conspiracy. But we need to be prepared for the worst. But on the side of that, regardless of being prepared for the worst, we need to be prepared for our life and prepared, able to take our food into our own hands and provide for our families, feed our families in a way that is not toxic, that we can invest in this food now so that we don't have to invest into our health later. And that is a concept that's a little hard to wrap your head around. Often I hear I can't afford organic or I can't afford this food or that food. And it makes sense because it is expensive. You know, buying organic is a lot more expensive. And we're going to get into some ways about about how to make that easier. But you can't think of it as this short-term game. It's the long game. It's what happens in, if you continue to eat the way you're eating for the next 30 years. What happens in 30 years, 40 years, 50 years? When you are, you know, into retirement, what does that look like for your body? Have you fueled your body in a way that you're going to be thriving at that point of your life? Or are you going to be in a place of suffering and spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on your health care in order to stay healthy or fight a combat, a disease that maybe has shown up in your body? And so, you know, we need to think deeper than just eating clean. We need to think about how we can 
feed ourselves in the healthiest way possible with the least amount of toxic chemicals, the least amount of fillers, and make sure that our body is getting the proper nutrition that it needs. So I did a metabolic healing program two years ago, and I'm going to have uh, our nutritionist come on and do a, a whole podcast on that topic. But, you know, I thought of myself as someone who was eating pretty clean. And so the program is a little bit strict in the fact that it, you know, you start looking at things in a deeper level. And I, and it was really eye-opening for me to step back and look at the products that I was already buying that I thought were my, you know, healthy go-to products. And I couldn't eat any of them. And so it sent me down this spiral path of looking at ingredients and looking at the labels of everything. And there was probably about 2% of things in the grocery store that I could actually purchase that followed a completely chemical-free, filler-free protocol. So, you know, you think you're buying, you know, organic or you think you're buying healthy, but when you actually step back and read those labels, it's kind of scary. There's not almost nothing in the grocery stores that are actually safe and that are actually real, you know, real food that aren't processed in some way to retain their shelf life or to, you know, there's fillers in pretty much everything. I mean, I was even looking at salsa and I couldn't buy a single brand of salsa. Not a single one of them has no sugar in them. They all have added sugar. I was blown away. Really? I was like, I'm trying to buy salsa because I know I can top my chicken with that and it's great for flavor. I couldn't buy a single one of them because they were they all contained sugar additive. Why? Why does salsa need sugar other than the fact that we're addicted to sugar in our country and that, you know, anything without sugar we don't think has flavor because we've been so broken into thinking that sugar is what we need and we don't even realize it. I could go on a whole rant about that, how we're, we're being fed high fructose corn syrup in um, everything. I mean, if you look at ingredients, I mean, there are some organic ingredients or some products out there now that are trying to stay away from those. But if they don't have high fructose corn syrup, they'll have corn syrup or they'll have sugar in them. And so you think that you're buying something, you know, yes, thank God they don't, they have some products that are away from the high fructose corn syrup, but most of them still have some, th- some other thing in them that are making them crap and junk and stuff we don't really want to put in our bodies. I could go on a whole rant about high fructose corn syrup. It is a byproduct of making, of all the corn that we're being grown, that's being grown, um, I could even take this a little bit further than maybe I should, but our government is subsidizing corn to get our farmers to grow corn. And this has a whole lot of ties into GMOs and big names like Monsanto and different things. So our farmers are being paid better to grow corn. And so farming is a tough, tough life. And if you can get paid better, a lot of them are going to. So we're growing corn. So now we have this surplus of corn. So then we started making ethanol. And I could go into a whole topic on ethanol and how that's bad for the environment and what they're doing with that. But we have these byproducts. and We have all this extra corn byproduct that we need to use. So we started making high fructose corn syrup and putting it in our in our foods. And it's very, very, very sweet. I think, I don't know the statistic. It's much sweeter than anything else. 
And so we started putting this in our foods. And it's been in our foods for a couple decades now. So our bodies, neurologically, our nerves, the, the, the nerve endings in our tongue are, are pick up on that. And so we become desensitized to these things. When you have something over and over again, same thing with salt. If you eat too much salt, you become desensitized to, to salt. And so then you need more salt to, to taste the salt. So people who have, you know, eat maybe a low salt or no salt diet, you know, normal, a normal average salting of food would be insanely pungent to them. So the same thing has happened to us with high fructose corn syrup. We think that things aren't sweet enough when they don't have that in there because we've been accustomed to thinking that this high, high level of sweetness from high fructose corn syrup is actually what's normal. And it is by far nowhere near normal. And so we have to untrain our bodies and untrain our, retrain our, our palate and our tongue to, to taste food in a, in a real way. The best way I know to do that is to do a, a, you know, an elimination for a period of time <clears throat> so that you can get your body back to a truly normal, um, normal state. But, you know, back to, back to the metabolic healing program that I did. I went through, you know, our meats and, um, you know, things like I would buy the, uh, the really good hot dogs, right? All beef and whatever for the kids and things like that. None of that is actually free of fillers. They all have some sort of filler. Um, bread especially is absolutely terrible. Um, grains, anything, you know, grain products, simple things that you would think are, um, like packaged products, literally none of them are actually safe because they all contain something. So when I say eating from the earth, I literally mean we have to stop buying everything packaged and buy ingredients. You have to buy the ingredients and to make the things that you want because you can make them clean, you can make them healthy, you don't have to add all of these extra things in there, and you can eat, you would be amazed at how much better things actually taste, and how much you feel better. Your body will recognize this food. Um, We know that our body doesn't recognize these chemicals, and so when your body doesn't recognize a chemical, it either stores it or eliminates it. So the liver is the trash can of your body. It is supposed to be absorbing, you know, you absorb, you, you, you eat your food, it goes through your digestive system, it may get into the bloodstream, which, the, you know, if these chemicals are getting into your bloodstream, that's not okay. But once it's through there, then your liver has to filter it and process it, and then it puts it through the elimination process. And so whether you filter it out through your kidneys or through your bowel, your body should be getting rid of these toxins. But our bodies are so overwhelmed with these toxins that we're having, people are having liver dysfunction. Um, Most people have some level of liver dysfunction. High fructose corn syrup, back to that nasty little thing, is causing fatty liver disease. So... 30, 40 years ago, fatty liver disease was only found in alcoholics. And now we're finding it in kids. 
because these kids are taking in high fructose corn syrup as little children. We're feeding them candies or treats or whatever, and they have high fructose corn syrup. Now, don't even get me started about soda. Just don't ever buy it. Don't ever drink it. It's terrible. Diet is even worse than regular. So I'll just throw that in there. Sorry for anybody who drinks soda. It's not a food. It's a chemical byproduct. <laughs> so when you're sipping away at your soda, just remember, this is not okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get some heat on that one, I'm sure. Um, so the, the high fructose corn syrup is creating fatty livers. So when your liver becomes fatty, it's no longer able to process chemicals like it's supposed to. It's not, it's not filtering. It's like a trash can that's overflowing, right? It's overflowing. Your trash can's full. Garbage is spilling out. Nothing is happening, and things are starting to putrefy and rot and have issues, right? If you can visualize that. So your liver is going to be the one that needs to clean up. So we eat all of this junk, these chemicals, fillers, high fructose corn syrup, etc., your liver is supposed to filter that out, but what happens when your liver in the garbage can of your body is overwhelmed? That doesn't go away. So now you have these fillers, these chemicals, things floating around in your bloodstream, depositing into different organs, and that is a snowball effect creating other diseases, depending on where these chemicals and where these things go. So well, I'm really passionate about talking about this because especially kid food um, things that are marketed really heavily to children are the worst. They're full of food dyes, they're full of chemicals, they're full of fillers, high fructose corn syrup, all of those things. And we've got children who are not processing their chemicals. And what happens to those kids if they're eating those things now? What is their livelihood going to be in 30, 40, 50 years? You know, our grandparents didn't eat that way. They ate from the farm. They ate from their gardens. They ate from, you know, the food The food system wasn't as broken then. So even if they did buy things from the grocery store, it wasn't as toxic as it is now. So, you know, they lived to nice ripe old ages, most of them. And we're seeing now that, you know, younger generations are actually not living as long as their parents. And so... This is a huge topic to discuss because it all goes back to your plate and it all goes back to your food and knowing how and knowing what to do. It is a process to relearn what we're eating and relearn what we need to do. And so I um, I want to start and talk about that. What do we need to do? And I am not opposed to telling people, go to your kitchen if you can, if you know that you can, if you're at a point in your life, so, you know, tax time's coming up and you know you're going to have a little extra cash, go to your kitchen, open your pantry, and throw out everything that is full of crap. I challenge you to do that. I would love to hear comments, too, if you can comment, if you can do it. Because you will be probably surprised and a little scared to realize what has fillers or high fructose corn syrup or you know, ingredients that you can't read. If you, if you can't read it, you don't know what it is, throw it out. Because we need to take a step. And for some people, that, that cold turkey, like get rid of the junk, is, is, is how you need to do it. Other people, it may be easier for you to stop buying the things. Use what you have so that you're not throwing it away or donate. You know, if you wanted to go cold turkey, you could donate things. 
Um, but if you can't go cold turkey, use what you have and vow to never buy it again. And say, I'm going to buy a different product next time. And it'll take you some time in the grocery store. Walking around, looking at what you're buying, and analyzing what, you're, what you can buy and what you can't buy. And there's a really cool thought process in the grocery store is that you should only stay on the outer aisle. Never go through the middle aisles. Because the food that's going to be healthy and clean is found in the outer aisle, right? This, the, the produce and the veggies, the meats the eggs, things like that. That's the kind of this, the circular, the outer circle of that grocery store is where you should spend most of your time and not going in the aisles because the aisles are where all the shelf-stable products are that aren't probably the best for you. So without overwhelming you, everyone, um, I, I like to talk about peasant meals or simple meals eating from the earth, eating food that is in its most purest form. So what does that look like? Um, you know, a protein, some, you know, animal protein. Um, I'm not going to go into why animal protein is important, but, um, and uh, some sort of protein. So some chicken, some beef, and you cook that up and you add a, you add a, you know, some kind of starch, if you would like, Rice is very simple, quinoa is simple, a potato, you know, something very much close to what it looked like when it came out of the field. And then your vegetable. And you can, you know, pick vegetables, you can steam them, you can do whatever, but just pick the vegetable in its purest form. And you can have an amazing amount of variety with that between switching your proteins, switching your starch, and switching your, your vegetable, cutting them in different ways, you know, making them into soups. There's so much variety in just those simple things. Um, We can talk, too, about where you're getting these things. I'm mentioning the grocery store. But there are so many other options out there by meeting your farmers. Um, My friend Sabrina, the unexpected gardener, she started a local food co-op. And so twice a month now, I'm buying my proteins and raw milk from a farmer multiple farmers at this thing and I'm buying directly from them so we know that the animal was taken care of that it was a happy healthy animal that is serving us by feeding us and so I know that those were very well taken care of animals and that and that translates all the way through to when we put that food on our plate and we take and we and we ingest that that we know that that food is most nutritious and pure as it could be to heal, help our bodies to sustain us and to heal us and to help us live. So gardening, you know, not everybody gardens, but I think more people should. And people are very, on average, if you've never been a gardener, people are nervous because you don't know what to do. There are so many resources out there on how to start a garden, whether you do a huge garden or a little garden, if you have a patio or you have, you know, a hundred acres, everybody can do something. Now, you're not going to grow enough food to, to take care of your family unless you have a very large garden and a whole major setup, but there are things that you can do, um, you know, pot gardens, start with herbs. Starting with an herb garden is really, you know, everybody can do that. You can go to 
you can go online and buy a, a you know packets of seeds and they even have some companies even have seed packets like an herb kitchen a kitchen garden um, and they'll give you you know six or ten packets of different varieties of things and you can plant those seeds in the ground buy a p nice pot from the from Lowe's or Home Depot fill it with some organic gardening mix and put it outside in your back patio and you can grow your own herbs and that's it's simple and then you can take that and you can get another pot and maybe a little trellis peat thing and grow a tomato plant. If you've never had a fresh tomato right from the garden, they're the best thing you could ever eat. It's amazing. The flavor difference is unbelievable. Um, there's a really cool product out there called a green stock. And it is like a tower. Um, so you fill each section with dirt and the way it's designed, it has these little pockets where you can put the plants in. And I um, I bought one last year. I grew so much lettuce. I just did lettuce in two, the bottom two rows. And then above that I did some beets and some carrots. And I put some herbs in there. I mean, I, I grew a decent amount of stuff in there. It was really, it's really, really fun. And, and pretty much anybody can do that, whether you have a balcony or a patio. Uh, pretty much anyone can use a green stock and that is such an awesome product to get you started and like I said you're not going to grow your entire family's food supply out of a green stock but it's something it's a start and and it helps you become more connected with your food and, and where it comes from um, and if you have a little yard buy some seeds you know get some organic potting mix or some dirt and water it and and just and just try um I think between Instagram, you know, Reels, TikTok, YouTube videos, everything you could possibly need to know is on a video. You could watch videos and learn anything. I mean, I think this goes for, you know, like changing the oil in your car to growing a container garden or learning how to sew. I mean, I think at this point in our lives, we are so spoiled with the amount of information at our fingertips. So... If you're interested in that, give it a start. I really empower people to, to make that change and start gardening. Last year, as my first year gardening, and I jumped in full force because I was ready for a hobby, but also I wanted to see what I could do and challenge myself. And, you know, I talked about this in a couple podcasts ago about growing tomatoes and how many tomatoes I grew and some vegetables. I mean, I grew, I think, on two spaghetti squash plants. I grew 16, I think, 15 or 16 spaghetti squashes. And we eat that often, probably weekly, in um, our family because that's such a nice um, alternative to pasta. And so, and we're getting, we're, we're getting, it's lower carb, we're getting our vegetable in, and we make a meat sauce with that, and it's just something we do almost on a weekly basis. But for me to know that I grew those spaghetti squash in my backyard has been awesome. And I still have a couple left, actually, because I, I just, I don't know, I should be eating them. But when I see them there, I'm just so proud of myself that I grew them and that I'm having a hard time getting into them. But, you know, looking at them on the counter and going, you know, it's interesting because the ones that I see in the grocery store look kind of tossed around, beat up, and different shade of color, and looking at the ones that I have in my kitchen, I'm thinking, wow, you know, mine look really good, because they didn't have to go through that transport process, and, and, you know, they literally, I just 
cut them off the vine and carried them into the house. And they're still there. I mean, I'm recording this in January, and I picked them in August, end of August, early September maybe, and they're still good. And so, you know, to think that I have food from last summer's garden still sitting out on my on my counter ready to be eaten, it's really empowering and really exciting. Um, I did the whole podcast. I talked about my salsa and how I'm salsa self-sufficient. But salsa was really, really important to me because I... I love I love chips and salsa like it's a great snack and that was so I was so frustrated when I started looking at the salsas in the grocery store and I could not find one that didn't have sugar in them and so that was one of the things that really motivated me I was going to make enough salsa to last for an entire year and I think that's true about what I did I have I think 20 jars left so when I calculated that out I have enough to give me one per week until about the end of June, which is when I started canning this also last year. So I should I should have enough for the whole year, which I'm really excited to say that I probably won't have to buy salsa for an entire year. And I know exactly what went in it, and there was not a single grain of sugar that went into those. So, um, okay, so let's talk about proteins. Um, almost all processed meats are going to have some sort of filler or chemical in them. So if you can buy your proteins from in the most pure form, you know, a whole chicken or even just chicken breast or ground beef, you know, ground beef, ground pork, ground turkey, that would be the most processed that you should really ever go. Anything beyond that, your lunch meats, things like that, that, you know, we're kind of used to eating, they're all going to have some sort of glue or filler or chemical in them to hold them together. So it's going to mean, you know, if you're like a lunch meat sandwich person, it's going to mean changing a lot of that for you and thinking about different meals that you're going to want to try that aren't going to be just a sandwich for lunch. Um, Vegetables, you know, if you're buying from the grocery store, it's really important that you're buying organic. Uh, The non-organic vegetables, there's so much chemical that is sprayed on those pesticides that are sprayed on those. And, you know, you can look at the, the, the dirty dozen and the clean 15. That is a good place to start to know, okay, if I can't afford all organic or I, you know, it's not available to me, which ones you do need to have organic versus ones that you might be able to get away with in a little better way. But sourcing your vegetables from a local farmer would be even more amazing. But, and you can grow some things. Um, you know, summer squashes and things are, are fairly easy to grow. So um, that's something to think about. And veggies, you can cut them, chop them, blanch them, roast them, puree them. There's so many varieties of just picking a simple vegetable and putting that on your plate, whether you cut it and steam it or you know, roast it, put some salt and seasonings on it. You know, there's so many flavor combinations that you can do that will be making it easy. And you might find that you're actually spending less time in the kitchen. Um, Fats. Butter is probably your best fat out there. Um, Coconut oil is amazing. Avocado oil is good. Olive oils. They actually are, there's interesting with olive oil, you want to get a really good quality olive oil. And when you look at the olive oils in the store, you want to find one that's from a single location. If you see, you know, it says 
California and Argentina and Spain and whatever, that is not going to be your best quality because they basically take the leftover, they take the leftover olive oils and put them together as one bottled product. So you're looking at getting um, the poorest quality olive oil out there. So when you think about nuts, you want to think about raw. Um, roasted is fine, um, but often they put a lot of salt on that, and that's not good quality salt. So you want to look at um, raw nuts. And raw nuts are actually technically like a seed. And so there are enzymes and things on those nuts that are there made by the tree specifically to prov- to turn the seed into another plant. So what you actually want to do is soak them in water overnight. Um, so technically, I think people call it sprouting them. They don't actually sprout. But what the water soaking does, it softens them a little bit, but it, it helps those enzymes break down so that you can digest those nuts to the best possible ability with your digestive system. Um, grains are very much talked about as a major negative um, these days and everyone's talking about carnivore diets, paleo diets, and diets that are completely grain-free. Now I have to say when I did my metabolic healing program I was grain-free for six straight months and I felt amazing and I lost some weight and I was doing really good. Um, so I've been studying and learning more about grains because it's really not sustainable in our society to have a grain-free diet forever. Um, I found that I was missing out on a lot of social events and different things, um, because I wasn't able to eat the way that, you know, the food was prepared based on where we were going. So I did add grains back into my diet, but I have learned a lot about them. And if you look at the flour in our, like, regular wheat flour or white flour in our grocery stores, it is just the soft, white, fluffy part of that grain. It is not the whole grain. And the whole grain contains the bran and the germ as well. And that's where most of the nutrients of the grain of the wheat is. So when we eat things that are processed, you know, processed breads, um, things, you know, any kind of bread product or grain product in the grocery store, we're getting basically dead food. It is stripped of all of the nutritious bran and the um, and the germ. So we started actually milling our own wheat grains at home. We invested in a grain mill, and I have bought from Azure Standard the actual whole grains. And so we're taking those whole grains and milling them and making them into flours to make breads, to make cookies, to make everything that we're doing at home. And it is amazing when you look at the nutritious content, the nutri- <clears throat> excuse me, the nutrient content that is in a whole grain. There is forty of the forty-four essential nutrients for the body to survive in that whole grain. So I'm not talking about like whole grain bread from the grocery store because that again is not the same. It's filtered down to the the fl- the soft white flour and then added back different ingredients. So if you look at the um, uh, a bread product in the grocery store, you will see that it says enriched 
and it says added, you know, B vitamins and different things because those things actually do exist in the original whole grain. But there's also oils and a few other things in there that cause the grain when it's milled to go rancid within a few days. And so in order for these things to be shelf stable and for them to last on our shelves so that we can, you know, sit them on there for who knows how long, they have to remove that part. But what happened when they started that 30, 40 years ago was that people started getting sick and they were B vitamin deficient all of a sudden. And so they had to start enriching our products, which sounds so counterintuitive, right? We have this perfect grain that has all of these this nutritional nutritious value to us and then to make it last longer we strip it of the good stuff but then we realize it's not good so we have to add artificial good stuff back in and it, it just makes no sense so it is definitely something to think about investing into it does change your cooking it changes how you have to you know like ratios and different things are definitely different but it has been a really amazing journey for our family and I'm seeing our kids are really enjoying these products and I know that I'm when I'm giving them to them that they're eating well, that they're getting high amounts of nutrition and they're doing really well. Um, other grains that you want to think about are quinoa, oats, um, and corn and polenta, ground corn. Those are all things that you can do then and feed your family that are really good quality grains buying them off the store and just you know cooking with them you know make using oats to make oatmeal um quinoa is just you know you, you put it in some bone broth and you and you cook it up um there's so many things that you can do to add that grain to your diet and add that variety as well so fermented foods are also important and you want to actually look at those things that are um, lacto-fermented. And I don't know enough about this, but I do know that it's important to have them. So things like sauerkraut um, improve your digestion and they improve your immunity. I don't know how to ferment. Um, that's something that I'm learning because I know how helpful it is for digestion and for your immune system and for your overall health. But it's an arena that I haven't jumped into yet. So hopefully I will learn that and do a whole podcast on that as well. But it does create really great pre and probiotics. So when you look at probiotics, we all know those. We take them in capsules. To be honest, I think we're overdosing ourselves with those. I'm seeing more and more people in practice coming in with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I think it's because we've been told for so long that we need probiotics. We need probiotics, and we're over, uh, over in putting the we're uh, how do you say this? But we're overindulging, I guess, in these probiotic supplements, and we don't have enough of the prebiotics. So the prebiotics are the food, and the fiber, and the things that those those bacteria need to grow, and so we're getting an imbalance in our digestive system. So. There are a lot of different things you can do for prebiotics, you know, getting that right amount of fiber, actually getting a whole grain, like milling your grains, you're getting a high amount of fiber there, which is actually a prebiotic. And so that is something that I want to dive deeper in because as we know, all of this is a journey and all of this is learning. So 
I'm here to share the knowledge that I have to help and hopefully inspire you to start making some changes. Think about eating from the earth. Think about keeping it simple, keeping your diet simple, feeding your family in a simple way. And the simpler that you can do that, the healthier you're going to be. And it'll actually help save you some time and some money with those groceries. So thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Vital Life Podcast. I hope this podcast leaves you inspired to live a more vital, holistic life. Connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Sherry Rayleigh or Vitality Chiropractic NC.